Hi guys, welcome to the um, So You Want to Work in the Arts webinar. This one is for movement and text. And um, I mean, it is being recorded. I think there was something anyways um, going on. Uh, but um, yes, I'm so, so happy and excited to be speaking to two, um, I would say like storytelling heavyweights. <laughs> um, and um, one of them is Guillaume and Am I saying it right? I'm sorry, my plummy English accent. I really. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's okay. Well. Um, and Guillaume is an actor, director, mime, and magician, originally from France. He's been living in the UK for the past 13 years. He's established Theatre in 2011 and has directed each of the company's productions to date. His work is rooted in corporal mime, which we'll talk about later. His practice takes inspiration from science, philosophy, psychology, public health. Um, and his work has been performed in more than 15 countries, including my hometown of Hong Kong, which is really exciting. Hong Kong Arts Festival is, is a big deal. Um, he's also an associate artist at The Point in Eastleigh and an associate teacher of, at RADA and is the head of devising at Fourth Monkey Actor Training Company. Um, we also have Zoe. Um, Zoe is a interdisciplinary performer and maker with a background in theater dance theatre, contemporary dance, um, and she was she's currently based in the UK and born in Greece. Um, she applied in music and education. Um, she, sorry, she studied applied music and education and theatre in Greece before receiving a scholarship um, to undertake a research-based practice at the University of Glasgow where she uh, investigated the relationship between voice and movement in performance. Um, she's founded something called the uh, Moving Voice Lab, a space for actors, dancers, and performers, make performance makers to explore the relationship between choreography and text, um, which is, I mean, that's like, that's like a candy shop for me. <laughs> she's currently a, a senior. She's currently a senior lecturer in performing arts at the Leeds School of Arts. Um, hi guys, um, it's it's so great to talk to you two. Um, and just to kick off, um, why did this subject in particular kind of come to me? I mean, um, you know, mixing movement and text. Why, why can't we just be like normal people like everybody else and just put on a play? Or why can't we just put on a dance piece? Like why, why and what interests you in the creative potential of mixing these two, what I find like really interesting mediums? And yeah, where's the creative potential in that? Um, I'm, yeah, so we'll start with Zoe. Yeah, <clears throat> hi everybody. I'm very excited to be here. Nice to meet you, Yem, as well. You meet you. Um, for me, there's no difference in putting up a play or a dance or a physical theatre show because movement is always present as long as you have a body, um, any sort of body, then movement is present, whether that movement is big and dance looking or really small and non-existing or existing internally. Um, so I'm, I don't particularly like discussing any sort of performance work outside of the body sphere because we all have a, a body and this is where the movement starts. And also in terms of, if you wanna take it to another level, for me, uh, any sort of text includes its own movement, which then feeds into the body. So I don't like to separate the two. 
I guess it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. So this is this is really exciting to to hear you talk about all this. And I, I wrote down when um, when Max was reading your 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 bag about you know voice and movement and performance. I just think it's fascinating to explore and to not actually say text but to say voice. I think it's really exciting. Um, but just to get back to your question, Max, I think um, I don't tend to think about it in terms of medium. Um, when 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 we make work with theatre, it's more about um, what is it that we want to communicate, and and through the things that we're going to try to communicate, we're going to use absolutely everything that we can, that we know of, all the expertise that are in the room will will feed the discovery because obviously we don't know, you know, we 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 devise everything from scratch, so we don't know where what we're going to talk about. Uh, before we have said it, but um, but I guess it's all about drawing all these expertise and 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 and, and, and to the service of 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 the message of um of, of the piece. So so then afterwards you can have a, another sort of another go at it and, and and look at it and it's like oh this is how this worked. But I, I guess when we're in the process of making it, we tend to not think about it in terms of text, voice, body movement. It's all about um yeah serving a project i guess mm, yeah well i mean even just saying that like, like oh yeah yeah go on please please oh I mean, yeah yeah no need to mute yeah yeah sorry i thought i think we have a bit of a delay i just wanted to uh, to jump in and say how much i agree with this because often actors tend to have a really limited idea of expression um not every actor obviously but i love what you're saying Guillaume, about not knowing what the expression will lead you to and what is the medium that you're going to choose if you want to use that word but yeah sometimes you want to say something and it's better said through the body or through stillness and silence so i love this idea of not separating and allowing one to lead into the other yeah and i guess it's also about um, just to follow up on that zoe i think and and i don't know how you work but it's it's um it's certainly to not shoot ourselves in the foot you know, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna say, oh no, you know, this is a movement piece. We're not gonna do anything else but movement. <laughs> uh, I think it's just really hard to make work. It's really hard to to channel, um, you know, the conscious and the unconscious into expression. So, so we're certainly not. I mean, for us at least, we're certainly not cutting ourselves away from anything. And I think it leads me on to sort of thinking about the team in general. So we work, you know, we, we're quite big teams in the devising process. And, um, and I guess it's really about making sure that the team is diverse, various in terms of expertise, in terms of backgrounds, in terms of uh, experiences, so that all these experiences can sort of feed into the work. So we're not, let's say, all classically trained, for instance, or we're not all musicians, or we're not all lighting designers, but actually there's a pool of people um, and they will all contribute from their own domain of expertise, but they will also comment on, on, on everything else. So, so, so in, I think the collaboration here is, is quite important because, mm. because not everyone will, will have the same, yeah, expertise. Mm. I used to be a classical pianist. I hope it's, I hope it's okay I'm jumping in. Please, I don't, yeah. please, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to be a classical pianist and then I sort of went off because it was a bit, I wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, and so I was starting at the University Classical Piano and then veered off into the folk world. So I did folk singing and do lots of polyphonic singing as well. And so then I started doing acting and dance at the same time. And so I was doing all those separate disciplines and there was so, such a strong connection between them in the way 
I, I, I felt I was um, approaching the work, interpreting the work, taking in the work. And you just made me think of how important it is to have so many people in a, in a process and being able to look at, at a piece of work from all these diverse perspectives and say, what is the core and how do we, we make work that could speak to all these different people and many more different people. Oh yeah, please, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say, for me. Go, go, yeah. It does bring, it, does bring it, it sets of challenges. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you find how that ensemble, how that group of people can can um, can roll, then um, then it's priceless. But yeah, but in terms of setting that up, I mean, I mean, for us, it's a little bit different now because we, I mean, we're not established, but we've been going for about ten years. So so in every project, there there are set collaborators that sort of come back, and we. Mm -hmm. And what's exciting about these collaborators is that we have an existing language. We're creating a language together. We've been collaborating for a long time, so we know each other. And, um, and, uh, and I guess there is a certain comfort in that, and it sort of makes things faster and easier. But there's also a danger. And so and that's why we try to always bring new people into the mix every time. So all these assumptions can be challenged. Um, and, it's, and it's difficult. And it's difficult. It's difficult to, to make sure that that it's always about the piece and not about anything else. Uh, you know, it, that, that, is, that, is, that is difficult sometimes. Um, and that's why it's about bringing the right people in the room. Um, you know, people who work on fight with, with everyone else as opposed to against everyone else. When you, when you look for people, because I, I think it would be useful, useless to say, oh, you look for more, you know, do you work with dancers? Do you work with actors? Because from what you're saying, you look really for a mixture of people. But when you find these people, what, it is, what is it that, um, that you're looking to collaborate with? Uh, what is it that a lot of these people have in common? <laughs> I'll start, Zoe, and then is that okay? Yeah, I mean, usually it, it's more the people that look for us. <laughs> it's because they've seen the work, they're interested in the work, and they're interested in that commitment, in that commitment to the work. Um, you know, we, we don't do additions. We, we tend to see who is around and who is willing to commit to, to the work because it's difficult. You know, it's a commitment. It takes time. You know, I mean, we, it takes about two years to make a piece of work. And then, you know, we will be on the road for, for two, three, you know, maybe four or five years if, if, if the show goes well. So, so, so it is a commitment uh, to, to the work, to the company, to, 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 yeah, to the piece itself. So, so it's more thinking about who's willing to, to come and, and give us their time and, and share that time with us. And because you have, like you said, you, you use, well, you use corporal mime a lot in your work and it, it, it forms such a strong part of your training. How important is and how much time do you leave for new company members to learn the language? And, and I guess, how did you find that this is the language that you wanted to almost form most of the body of your work around? Um, also, if you could just talk a little bit about corporal mime. Um, yeah, um, so corporal mime is, um, is an art form. And to me, um, if we look at the definition of the, of the words, to me, mime is about making the portrait of something with something else. And this is where I think um, Zoe's expertise, I think is really interesting for me personally, because, you know, so if mime is about making the portrait of something with something else, corporal mime is then about making the portrait of something, an idea, an emotion, a state of mind, with the body, corporal. Um, 
So that's what corporal mime is about. It's a process of making metaphors. So what's exciting is also to think about something like vocal mime, for instance, where, where the voice, not necessarily through text, but through the voice is making the portrait of something else. So through the voice, you're making the portrait of something else. And it's something that we are, that we're constantly exploring. We're exploring it through voice, through music, through designs, through all kinds of things. Um, but what's exciting for me is obviously voice is not my, it's not my background, so I'm a, I'm a little bit out of my depth. So every time it's a, it feels like it's a, it's a big and dangerous exploration. So, so that's why <laughs> I think with Zoe is quite exciting because, because <laughs> we're constantly looking for, oh, so how do you do this? <laughs> um, so in terms of corporal, in terms of working with people with a, with a background in corporal mind, I'm not going to lie, you know, I mean, most of the people in the company I've either I've, I've, I've trained in in some ways uh, in corporal mime, or I've trained them in corporal mime. So they're former students, um, but but it's not it's not restrictive. It's more it's more so that we have a common language, something to start with. Uh, but it, it, it by no means you know we need to have you know um, experts in in that particular art form because that would be uh, first of all that would be very difficult to find, um, and and then it would not necessarily lead to where we want to go you know you know linking to what i was saying earlier about bringing different expertise into the room is, is really important but also having a common ground is important so it's about you know there aren't there aren't any hard rules um so that's that's what corporal mime um and how we find people does that answer to your question yeah absolutely yeah yeah so do you have anything to add to that or i mean uh, yeah my experience is completely different to yours because I don't have a set company I mean I am member of companies but I don't do this sort of work which sounds really exciting I would love to do it but it's just not part of my so the way I work I work with lots of communities um, like the last project I did was with a huge number of asylum seekers in Coventry um, but I also work like an individual project so as I hear you talking about having a regular training and a company something in me goes oh I want to do that too but yeah it, it sounds like a huge commitment but it's also valuable in terms of developing a practice I guess deeper and deeper because I can go into the studio by myself and I do very often and I have regular collaborators but not in the same way. So, so when working with um, and doing doing work with communities um, some of which wouldn't even classify themselves as artists or performers what has been some of the most interesting things to come out of that? I think the most beautiful thing that I see over and over again is a huge amount of talent and creativity that people have and bring. And because this community, the communities that I work with are often not bothered with whether they're artists or whether they're good enough or not. All they wanna do is be, be and be given the opportunity. So there's none of that, that often professional actors, if you wanna have, I'm not good enough. There's none of that. And the work happens and the work that happens is extraordinary. And my, my la the last experience that I had was uh, I worked with a, a member of SBC company, uh, SBC theatre company who work a lot with us. They're the first theatre company of um, sanctuary in the UK and they predominantly work with asylum seekers and th those seeking sanctuary in Britain. So the last project we did was um, called Can You Hear Me Now? And we worked with a group of asylum seekers to create a huge participatory show. And the rehearsal process was open so anybody could come at any time at any day and that's how we made a show and the people who were there went from coming into the room and saying I don't speak English to standing up in front of people and giving a speech or doing their own song and they're doing their own dance and just the transformation is incredible so that's 
that's the most valuable thing for me. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, especially within this time, I mean, even how art and is funded these days, there's a real shift and focus towards doing community, like community and engagement. And I, from my experience anyways, as, as a maker, um, is how do you, how do you engage with audiences when making, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for devised works to accommodate that, but also, you know, there's so much flexibility taking theatre out of just the box. But um, is that something that that um, you you have experience with as well, and that uh, that you're you're looking to to do, or what kind of direction are you taking uh, theatre at at its ten year anniversary? What what, what direction are you taking theatre in? Sorry, that's a huge question. <laughs> no, but in terms of in terms of engagement, because I think this is really about engagement. I think it's in the same way that we collaborate with a wide group of people within the creative team. You know, every project is also made in consultation with various groups from various community groups uh, who are experts in the themes or the field that we're exploring. Mm -hmm. So, so for instance, we did a show in 2017 called "The Nature of Forgetting." Uh, about memory loss and so we worked extensively with um you know older people people with with memory um with memory uh, difficulties uh people with alzheimer's disease people uh, not disease but with alzheimer conditions people with early onset dementia so with various people various groups and they're obviously their carers the people looking after them so we sort of interview a wide range of people um and and obviously the work is not it's not verbatim theater that we're doing so the work is not there to to sort of take those words and those experiences and put them on stage but it's about transforming these experiences uh, so that the essence of it is still there but it's transformed it's it's not it's not it's not exposing in um you know in in the same way that you know other types of work could be um so 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 we often sort of not often we always bring um, these voices into the creative process and then we often um, at the end of each residencies that we have in various locations around the country we, we we invite people to come and see the work and 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 give feedback and comment on the development on the work and and what's exciting is that obviously I don't think these people would come and see us um, if if we hadn't engaged with them um, you know ahead of the sharing and then after the sharing um, so so that's quite exciting and also they know what they're talking about because because that's um, that's their daily bread. So so that's that's really important, and it sort of prevents us from sort of staying in our room and making something quite artistic uh, that is sort of cut off from uh, from, from 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 the real life. Um, so so we do that, and then at the end of the pro you know when we work towards the end of the process. Uh, so we are building towards a theatre space, towards a theatrical, spa I mean, theatrical spaces. So that's um, that that is what we're doing. But we, you know, before the show is finished, for instance, in 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 the case of the nature of forgetting, we performed in various care homes because we engage with people from from various care homes in North London. And so then we we took the show from from one care home to the other because obviously they were not able to come and see the show in the theatre. And then we opened the show um further down the line so so that's how we that's how we make work it's part of our creative process and then once we're once we're on tour usually we make partnership with various charities and so we try to connect with those charities to engage people in various locations so for instance in the in the autumn we'll be touring our show birth 
Um, and um, and so we've teamed up with with Aching Arms, which is a nationwide charity, um, you know, looking after parents. Uh, I mean, offering supports to parents who've lost uh, who've, who've lost a child um, in birth or just after birth. And and so we're we're collaborating with the charity to obviously raise awareness, but also um, raise money. And and we invite volunteers and different groups to come and see us in various locations. So, but it is happening in a theatre space. So that's a very long-winded answer. No, no, it's fantastic. And with that, I think it's a great opportunity to uh, show um, a little bit of what theatre does. I mean, so looking back at the 10 years, um, I guess what I want to ask is what made you want to start your own company? Um, I, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Um, I think I just wanted to do things and no one was asking me to do things. <laughs> so I just thought, I think I'm going to have to do it myself. Um, I think there's that as a as a you know half a joke, half a um, half a serious comment, and I think there's also the maybe the more I, yeah I don't, maybe the feeling that um, what I wanted to do wasn't really around. Um, so obviously it, it's not to say that I don't admire that I don't look up to a lot of companies to a lot of to a lot of great work that is being made. Um, I could also, I think deep down, I could, there was a sense that there wasn't, you know, I couldn't see what I wanted to make. Um, I, I don't think I knew that at the time. I think it's something that I'm realizing now. Um, I think it would have been a bit pretentious at the time. Um, but, but I think little by little, um, I think that's what I'm realizing. Um, yeah, I think I think I think that's it. Does that answer your question, Max? Definitely. And is that the same with you, Zoe? Um, do you see is is do you see the work that you want to see out there represented, or what 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 um, um, drives your work? There is work that I admire and really really enjoy, um, but there's also work that I don't. Um, but I think what the interesting thing with me thinking of the question that you asked Guillaume was that when I first started a lot of people told me you can't be a dancer and an actor at the same time you can't be doing text movement and I remember specifically I had a meeting with somebody who was meant to be advising me about how to proceed with my practice and they were like you've got to stop one of them and I was like I'm not here for that I'm here for you to tell me how to proceed so at that moment I thought 
it just is what you said like we need to we need to find our own way and only now i see in lots of dance contexts people everybody does voice work now and suddenly the last couple of years everybody started doing voice work in dance contests i'm like yeah thanks but there's there's this there's this and i think it's a good thing to know for artists to say this is what i want to do and this is a bit of a, a bit of a piece missing for, so i'm going to pursue it and then more things open up um yeah and um in terms of kind of normal roles as we're seeing well roles are kind of made i mean even if you look at the movement director a movement director wasn't really involved in the creative process until quite recently and even now we're still trying to define of define what a movement director is and with each production that means something very different what is the difference between difference between a movement director and choreographer um and I think bringing it back to text or voice, um, do you work with uh, a writer in your process, Guillaume? Um, uh, when less and less. Yeah. Sorry. And, and when and when do you bring a writer in? And when do you bring uh, like words on a page into that process? So, um, so I don't know if you've ever seen our work, uh, Max, but. But there are no words in our in our in our in our in our in our work. So it doesn't mean that people are not speaking. So people speak, uh, but you can't hear the words. Um, so so we are. I am interested in in voice. I am interested in in breath. I am interested in in those people being alive. But in terms of the actual content of the message, sometimes I think the image is is actually stronger and and quicker. Um, so it just turns out that up until now we haven't really needed to have that that sort of text to be heard so obviously you hear the odd words but you know it's 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 interesting how sometimes just a name is enough um or just say dad and then suddenly you establish the, the whole world around these two characters um or three or, or more um so 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 text i mean it's interesting i'm not i'm not too keen on the word text because it's so it's so it's so narrow i would say i would say words i would say a voice sorry um is 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 present in the room from day one because we're alive you know so there is a voice there is a breath there that you know we it's there and then you know there's a process of improvisation and so 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 we we sort of it's a process of of, of trimming trimming what is actually required for the actions to um to flow as opposed you know as opposed to explaining the actions because sometimes there's a lot of that you know the words explain what the action or what the images are um, so, so that is part of our process in terms of having an actual writer for a very long time we've always had a writer on board in the team it just so happens that the writer was always playing the role of a dramaturg um, because we didn't feel the need for those words to be crafted in the same way that everything else was crafted it, it just it, it just wasn't needed but it was there just in case because we didn't know at the beginning you don't know so 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 you're open and you you sort of plan for every you know every possible sort of options and scenarios and um, now we, because we're a bit more sturdy on our feet when we start we and also it, it's 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 our aesthetic it's our style it's that we are refining so so i kind of know that <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna need a writer uh but still we work with a dramaturg um, and that dramaturg is always present because because we're doing theatre and so the well I mean even if we were 
doing dance but in terms of what I mean by theatre is that there is a journey um, there's not necessarily going to be a story or a plot or a scenario but this is going to be a journey and that journey is going to have to be structured um, and so that's why the dramaturg is in place so so we don't have a um, uh, it's just so, so happened that that dramaturg Alison Smith is um, is um, is a writer as well, but she 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 works with us as a as a dramaturg. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Similar. Oh yeah, yeah. Go on, please. Similar to Guillaume, I was thinking about the how my work doesn't always have words, uh, and I work with text and movement and and voice from day one, as you said. Um, but I also feel that. Um, when you hear text and movement, often people have a very specific idea of what they're going to see. So they're going to see somebody moving and speaking at the same time. Um, but I work a lot with principles of um, blackout poetry. I don't know if you know it, where there's writing and somebody deletes randomly and whatever is left is the poem. And similarly, I apply this principle to moving. So the, the, the text or the narrative of the story, if you want, is always running on the inside and along with the breath and all the movement. And then every now and again, um, maybe some of their words will come out and that is a complete story, but it doesn't necessarily need to have so many words. And yes, the outcome is a bit abstract, as Guillaume was saying, but I don't feel that audiences need to be held by the hand and being told now that we're doing this and this. I think audiences need space to imagine and reflect their own lives into what they see. What, what, uh, what is what is problematic about the word uh, text? And I, I know what you mean, but I think it'd be helpful just as well for me to, to hear you articulate it. Also, words themselves, I've found in my own experience when creating work, they're very, they're very seductive because it's a very efficient, well, it's the way that we communicate as people. And so when we, create physical work um yeah i think i think um how, how do you how do you manage that and and not steer clear of but manage not being seduced by okay well let's just tell this story why is it that movement is the most efficient way to communicate what you guys want to communicate um for me, for me it's not but it's a matter of hierarchy mm -hmm. and this is a bit of my problem um with some theatre that there's a hierarchy and the text is on the top of this hierarchy and the movement yes. comes at the bottom and same with drama schools the the way we train text work is very very specific and quite old-fashioned in many cases not everywhere and that's a really good thing so for me it's not about one or the other it's about it's similar to what you was saying in the beginning is about understanding which one is the most essential at this moment for the story to be told sometimes it's words sometimes it's text but I think it takes bravery to ask this question and to take this decision and to say, I'm not going to put any words here and trust that the story is being told without necessarily us saying it. And also the other thing that you, you talked about, the easiness of the text is associations. All of us have such strong associations with the word mug or with the word pencil. Yeah, and part of my work is breaking these associations away from the performer and creating new ones through experiencing in the moment. And these, these, these new associations is poetry. They feed into the story that we want to tell. So somehow to remove the text of the everydayness of it um, and bring it to the space of the story, to the space of the show, to the new space. 
Yeah, I, I really relate to what Zoe is, is describing, um, especially in terms of um, l looking for something that is probably not naturalistic or non-naturalistic. Uh, but that's not to say that because there's going to be text, it's going to be naturalistic. You know, if we go and see, I don't know, at the National at the moment, there's Under Milk Wood. <laughs> it's, um, you know, by Dylan Thomas. It's it's nothing but naturalistic. So, so I think this argument for me is important, but also falls short after a certain um after you know if you dig a little further um so i think i would i would also agree with what they were saying about it's about hierarchy um you know when you say the word text i mean this text was written by a writer so it's about serving someone else's words so it's about interpreting portraying someone else's words so the words of the poet um, and I think the tradition that I'm coming from, so, so you know, coming from Jacques Coupeau and then Etienne de Croix and, and, um, and so on, is, is very much about placing the actor at the center, or the actress, at the center of the creation process. So, so the actor is the poet, um, you know, not the writer, not the director, not the, not the designers. You know, it's really about the actor. And so, and so the work of the actor is... Um, is therefore the act of the poet, um, and and the actor can have a voice, can have a body, can, you know everything. Um, but as soon as you bring the work text, it it it, it means that it has been written by someone else somehow somehow. Um, so so I think that's that's what I'm thinking. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know as well. Uh, in, in, in the UK, there is such a tradition, as we can see, of, of, of text-based theatre, and clearly, it's still, well, it's, it was, it's, there's still such a strong, strong tradition, as we can see. And sorry, I've got such a loud dog. That's all the snoring is, um, and it's very difficult for us to graduate that. Um, whereas, if you think, if you go to other places in Europe, they've really, um, yeah, involved in very different directions, not because one is better or worse, but it's just, I guess, what we're used to. I did a project um, with um, Rose Burford students in Edinburgh yeah. in November or December last year, the end of last year, and we worked on an ancient Greek text, um, and that was a starting point. Um, and we we did three weeks of training and we didn't touch the text. It was second week. We just learned it and then left it and then just worked with the body. Um, and then the day before the performance, students were like, now, halfway through the students were like when are we going to start making well you've, you've been already making you just didn't realize so the day before the performance they were like but how is it going to work with the text we don't even know it we haven't worked on it so much and this and this and, and then after the performance they were like this text was so much in me one of them i remember he said this text was so much in me that i didn't have to think about the words it just came out and this is what i'm talking about there's the misconception that in order to learn text and perform text you have to repeat the text but actually, for me, the body needs to absorb the text in any, any way, either that's pushing, pulling, it's that improvising, all of that, and then the text will come. So it's what I said before, we need to trust the process, we need to trust the stories, we need to trust the performers. I, I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, I'm going to play uh, one of your works. Um, and uh, Here's uh, Let's Hold Hands the Old Way. That's the trailer, by the way, it's not the full work. And you've just finished at um, a festival in New York. Yeah. I love holding hands. I stood a hole in my little sister. When you can say, Ettor Gamman, Max. Which be who I may also had nature. Did you? 
δεξί χέρι του ενός κρατούσε το αριστερό χέρι του άλλου. Even with that tension, he he managed to reach across the bench and take my hand and assure me that that everything was fine. I absolutely adore the title, Zoe. Thanks. It comes from a Beckett play, actually. It's the end of a Beckett play, sort of paraphrased, so it's not the same. Get sued by the Beckett state and then running to hide myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's inspired by the play. Um, and it got inspired, I got inspired, but do you know that you must know the poster on how to wash hands, the, the government's poster has all this. And I kept seeing it around the university everywhere. And it was like, don't touch hands, just just wash hands. And I was like, these are all ways of holding hands. A baby will hold hand like this, or we hold hand like this, or like this, or like this. So I got inspired and sort of collected stories by lots of people and made choreographies. That's fascinating. Is it gonna come to the UK at some stage? It's an online work. We were considering making it into live theatre, but I think it is what it needs to be. Um, I kept pushing. I was like, no, we need to make it in a big piece, but I think it's ready. I think it needs to stop. Um, so we're trying to, we're applying for other festivals. And also we have conversations with organisations in Leeds uh, where we can have an exhibition where we project the, the work and then we invite people to give us their stories of holding hands and maybe something will come out of that. I'll let you know. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, how long does the work, um, how, how long is the original or the, the, the full piece? Five minutes. Five minutes, yeah, okay. Not very long, but it's a film. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think what intrigues me a lot is, is about your work is this almost like, well, you, you, you founded the, um, the Moving Voice Laboratory. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a space for experimentation and, and uh, how did it come about and, and what is it? Because the whole thing about lab is that you're not really working towards any particular end project. It's yeah. continuous exploration. And I think that really is, it's, it's, it's a luxury, it shouldn't be, but a lot of the time when there are deadlines to make and produce work, um, what have you found during that and how's your experience been? So the lab began, came out of my research at the University of Glasgow. After that, I set up this research group at the University of Glasgow where I worked with postgraduate students and sort of the work started like that. Um, I've never run it with the same group. I mean, I have run it with the same group, but not to make a piece of work. So the laboratory is just a laboratory. There's no deadlines, there's no productions, there's nothing. People have very often begun their work, the laboratory, and returned to it, but we have never made work together. There's, there's this potential... Um, the, so the last group that I've been working with over the ha last half year online and in person, there's the potential that we make a piece of work together, but that is not going to be a piece of work to be sold. It's going to be a piece of work that will be shared with our communities and that is all. There's no plans to, um, to program it yet. Maybe there will be, I don't want to do the work, we'll see. Um, but the, the luxury that you're talking about is um, is an ongoing process for me and it's my daily, my daily training. And I'm trying to support the peers and my students around me to commit to that daily training. 
And often I get questions like, how much time shall I train per day? Shall it be an hour or two hours? And I think it's not just about getting in the studio and doing handstands or push-ups or whatever, but it's about inhabiting the, the attitude or the mentality of being in research in the everyday. So I might go for a walk in the woods and that is part of my daily practice, but it's part, I have dedicated time. And this is similar to the laboratory. So this is like a condensed version of this where for the whole day, for five days, let's say, the last, the last one I did was five days, we work, but we work gently and kindly and with real detail and rigor, but in a way that all the performers are invited to question what their practice is and to bring it into life. And this is, for me, this is, this is so precious. I wish I could do it all the time. Can I, can I jump in there, Zoe? And, and yeah. It's interesting, this idea of, um, of repetition and, um, and how you, uh, whether you're in the context of a rehearsal or whether you're in the context of training people, um, I, I, I've, I've worked with people who, who, who are really tireless workers and they would just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. But actually, sometimes it's more destructive than constructive. And it's really about, I, I think there's a real learning process in learning how to repeat something. Mm. Uh, so it's not about changing everything. It's not about doing the exact same thing, but it's about finding that fine balance between changing while building on what was just happening Mm. And um, and I think there's no right or no wrong. It's just it's just very delicate and very complicated. Uh, you know how, especially especially as an actor, as, a, as as you're doing it, when you're looking at it from the outside, it's a, it's a lot easier. But when you're doing it, I just think it's really difficult to know because you're making those choices, those small choices all the time. Mm. And um, yeah, I just it just made me think of that how how that process of repetition is actually. Um, yeah, quite um, quite difficult uh, mm. to to sort of maneuver, especially if you're if you're a young performer, or you can have an instinct. Um, but I think that's what I've realised working with sort of more mature performers. You you realise that they they yeah they have a flair for it, which is quite mm. interesting. Could be a good or a bad thing actually, but yeah. Yeah, you made me think of how our world is structured around industrial repetition and capitalistic repetition and how often, even in drama schools, we are taught that we need to repeat the same thing every day in order to succeed. But as humans, we are immersed in repetition. I mean, we have a day, we have seasons that come and go. And because I'm a seasonal yoga teacher as well, and in the seasonal system, they teach you that every, um, every season has its own um, benefits. So like in the winter, you need to be slow and focus on water. In spring, you need to focus on um, sprouting on wood. And it's the same thing in a creative process and in a project. It has its beginning, the water, and it has its sprouting, and then it has its fire, it's materializing. And I don't know if there's an easy answer on how to do this, how to focus on really listening and dropping into what we need at every moment. But I know that once I started questioning, do I need to do the same thing every day? Everything shifted for me, my practice shifted. So it's just about for me, asking a really simple question and then the body will will show the way yeah I, I agree with that I completely um I think I think there's something quite reassuring in uh in doing the same thing every day Safe. you know I you know for instance in a rehearsal I would I would 
often structure, you know, every day is structured the same, you know, the breaks at the same time, lunch break is, is that, 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 that time. So, so that there is that structure. Uh, but within that structure, I, even though I will always have a plan, I think, I think when it's a good day, then we haven't done the plan. We've done something else. So, mm-hmm. so I think this is, this is really a balance to be found into, because uh, also, also if you don't have any structure, for instance, I, I think I would relate to that. If I don't have any structures, then I, I, will, I won't do anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, so I need a little bit of a, something that is the same. I need something that is completely different and I need a little bit of both. So, so it's, it's interesting what you're saying about. Um, yeah, so I didn't want to come across as not liking structure. I love structure, but I think <laughs> there, needs to be, there needs to be play. And I'm thinking of improvisation because I call myself a professional improviser which means that I give time to improvising and I train my improvising. And there's so many rules in improvisation, but the play is to push against the rules and to break the rules, but there are rules. So my, my, my training is sim- mentality is similar to this. There are rules and whenever I feel like I push, I break. Whenever I don't feel like I step back to the rules. I'm sorry? Could you say that again slower, please? Oh God, I don't remember what I said. I said, I think I said that um, in improvisation, there are rules. Oh no, no, just the pushing, the pushing with the rules, yeah. yeah. Oh, that whenever I feel like I can push the rules mm-hmm. um, and I can break the rules, I yes. very often break the rules, I'm, I'm all about risk. Um, and when I don't feel like I can return to the rules and know that are there. But I also know that the possibility of breaking is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what rock you, you you're a professional improviser and um, I mean, currently within your lab, none of that or very little of that, you have very little ambition of that becoming performative or, or for that for, to be viewed. Um, it is performative, my improvisation. Oh, it is, it is, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is, is there like almost like a semantic kind of, uh, semantic kind of uh, element to the performance and um, how is it that, you 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 edit the improvisation if at all when bringing it to performance i don't edit the improvisation i do the improvisation when i bring it to the performance uh, the improvisation is movement and voice so i tell stories either through my movement either through my text or my singing and i mix and match all of that um, I train improvisation, which means that I'm training the principles of improvisation. What does it mean to have to develop one idea within improvisation? What does it mean to play with bringing lots of ideas in improvisation? What does it mean to hold back in it? So like I train principles. Um, what does it mean to relate to the audience, to my performance, all of that? But the improvisation is never edited unless it's on camera. So I have one piece of work that I don't think I sent you, the murmuration mm-hmm. is an edited improvisation. But it's an improvisation. Do you use improvisation, Gion? Yeah, we do. We do actually. Um, I, I don't call it improvisation though. Uh, it's more about playing. For us, it's about playing. We play with each other. We play with objects. We we just we just play. But we, you know, I think what was Zoe was saying was that the craft is in the principles of the improvisation. Mm-hmm. For us, for us. Uh, you know, we, we we work in details very very quickly. So, so 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 we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna edit. We're gonna cut. We're gonna adjust. We're gonna we're gonna work in a lot of details very very quickly. And the difficulty is to keep the improvisation going. It's to keep is to make sure that the things that we're sort of um, 
producing, of course they are what they are, but they're, they're only what they are so that we can then go to the next step forward. So it's like, as if you were, you know, walking up the steps, you know, the, the things that we're fixing is only there so we can go to the next step. So, so it's a constant battle between improvisation and fixing and we fix and we improvise and it sort of change. So it changes all the time, but at the same time, it's all, it's always fixed. Um, so, so it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite difficult to, to, um, to, to, to explain. Cause obviously if I would be lying, if I was saying that it would be as, as, um, as, um, free as what Zoe is describing, even though I know it's not what you're, what you're describing Zoe, but, but also it's, it's also very free. It's, mm. um, that, that's very confusing, isn't it? I was just doing a show, a dance theatre show for little children, three to eight year old, or the story of Thumbelina. And it was exactly what you're describing. We had steps that we had to get to, to tell the story, but all the in between was improvised and it was madness. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for us, it's not, it's not so much about, you know, we have, let's say one thing and then another thing, and then we improvise the transition is everything even though it's fixed is is in a constant process of being refined of being it's like when you have a sculpture uh, a sculpture trying to sculpt something you know you do something so it's 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 constantly adjusting it it's constantly moving and it never stops even when we've opened or performed like 150 times it's still changing it's still evolving so it's fixed but at the same time it's it's growing it's alive um you know a little bit like when you're looking after your garden it's alive so it grows but you 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 keep fixing it a little bit and, and you as a director when is it that you have decided that that is enough or it's developed to a stage that you're you're satisfied or you're happy i i, I don't think it's I, i'm always happy um i'm I, every every idea is a good idea um so so there isn't there's never a stage where i'm not satisfied i'm i'm always satisfied and then the more time we we have then then we refine it so i'm always going to be happy um and and i think what the question is when is it time to hand it to the actors mm. uh, so when 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 should the director leave the room so that the, the show can acquire a different life a life of its own when when there there are enough things that are in place so that the outside eye is not needed anymore um uh, is more the question for me um not so much when am i satisfied i'm, I'm always i'm always happy <laughs> um, does that make sense definitely definitely no it's um even just chatting to you both now it's really flipped my conception of theatre making and, and and making work and i hope people listening as well feel the same of of you know um yeah, my training and the way that I think of even even art, you know, the whole thing about repetition and that's how you kind of hone a craft, but also to challenge that idea of repetition. Mm. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, now, you, you two are both, um, you both teach. Um, and what is it that you, I think, are most excited by when when you're teaching and, and, and how, how did you get into teaching? What, what draws you to passing on knowledge? Uh, Zoe? Um, I think it's a difficult question for me because I don't see it as passing on knowledge. Um, there is an exchange. There is an exchange of me offering what I know, but I feel like 
my teachings are all a collaboration. Um, it's a bit hard to explain, but I don't, I never get in a room feeling that I know more than the people who are there. I know more, let's say, in some, in some subjects, but I, I treat my teaching as collaborations and um, I learn as well, also from how I teach, but also from how people are responding to the work. And the work wouldn't, wouldn't be anything without the people who I've been with in the rooms. Sorry, it's very vague, and but I just don't like, don't, yeah, it's again hierarchies. I don't feel like I'm a top of a hierarchy. And even first year students, I tell them that in the beginning, they're like, what, what? And then by the end, they feel the same and it's very valuable for them. Although there is, there is an exchange. Um, so I pass on whatever I know, um, but that always comes in relationship to whatever the person opposite me needs at that moment. So I give a little bit of a generic training, but I very often need this one-to-one -one space where I go, for you, think about this, or for you, let's work on this. Yeah, so it's more of an exchange for me. Yeah, thank you, Zoe. <laughs> I think I'd agree with what you're saying. <laughs> I think it really depends what is it that is being taught. Um, you know, whether you're, you're, you're you know, training directors or training actors or or whether it's a specific training in corporal mime i think i think the i think the focus shifts a little bit because obviously the training the corporal mime training is very similar to when you train as a musician for instance or when you train as as um as a, as a ballet dancer there's there's the idea that for a very long time so it's very oriental in in in, in, in that in that sense that that's for a very long time you're just gonna have to copy uh, the teacher or the master until you're able to develop your your find your own voice through that craft so even though that is very present in 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 in, in the way i think about it i i constantly try to challenge it and 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 use those teaching opportunity those teaching moments as an opportunity to, to keep refining to keep researching to keep rediscovering what is what is it that we're sharing what is it that we're exchanging and how is it going to help the people that i'm um, in the room ways how how is it going to help them to grow how is it going to help them to find their voice so that they can express themselves so it's all about giving them tools and the tools that they need at a particular moment in time to to express themselves um i think that the word expression is really important um i think yeah i think it's very good to to feel things but we all feel things with the difficulties about expressing them the, those things um in in and again, <laughs> and again, and again, and clearer, and and better, <laughs> and um, so 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 it's about it's about yeah rediscovering those um, those things with the people in the room. Great, and to to wrap up, I think just to say that um, it's just ironic that the title of this webinar has been movement and text, but from that we have grown and almost bursted. The, the kind of walls down of what that even means and whether that's necessary. So lastly, I mean, just to, for each of you, um, as, as makers, what advice would you give to people when, when creating or facilitating work? Zoe. Um, I think for me, it's, never stop asking questions. I know it sounds to be like a cliche. Um, yeah, my the best work that I've seen in my best work has been when I ask questions and I 
I'm not seeking answers. I'm just asking the questions through the work um, and have fun and take risks, I guess. It's again a difficult question. Difficult questions to ask in like half a minute. <laughs> it's a big conversation. Um, thanks for going first, Doi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think I think for me there's um, something I read in um, there's a very famous um, French theatre director, um, you know, student of of of, um, of De Croo, um, Jean-Louis Barrault, and I think he wrote in one of his book. I think it was in Memories for Tomorrow. Um, he said that the, the one thing that is at your disposal when you're when you're a young maker, a young actor, or young creative is to choose who's going to train you, um, and 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 I think I think it's really important to to not just follow the name of the school or to not just follow what people have told you. You just go and see people's work. You go and see the work of of the, of the people that are going to train you because that's really important. Because if you don't like that work, then chances are that that particular work or that particular training is not necessarily for you um so i think it's really important to do your research if you're if you're if you're if you're you know if you're in in that at that stage of your life where you just want to go into that direction to to really choose carefully who's going to train you and once you've chosen uh just embrace it and and stick to it i guess Guys, it's been so great talking to both of you. Again, it's just like flipped my mind upside down. Um, I'm going to go lie down for a little bit <laughs> and digest everything. Um, yeah, thank you so much um, for being here today. And and thank you for Creative Youth for organizing this. Um, Thanks for having, having us. Yeah, lovely to meet you. Hopefully uh, in real life too. Yeah, likewise. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.